Yo, yo, yo. Hello. Satanic study hall time. We really need to change this intro. I'm getting sick of hearing it. Well, a contradiction? Yeah. Really need to change that shit. Well, I mean, we could consider it because the episode that we're recording is number 10. This is our 10th episode of Satanic study hall. 10th episode. Oh, Thank thanks, you, Blyle. Blyle's always looking out. Class, class, class. Everyone, there will be an important announcement next period. Everyone, everyone should go to their homeroom. Go to your homeroom after next period for an important announcement. So, uh, yes, uh, Degenerates, welcome to Satanic Study Hall. You know who we are, and if you don't, we are a podcast, obviously. Featuring some, <laughs> really, <laughs> featuring some uh, members of the Satanic Temple, um, various Satanists and other degens who get together about twice a month, well, more than that. But you hear us about twice a month, and we discuss things around Satanism, such as its inception, all the way up to modern day. We discuss Satanism in news and entertainment, in music and movies, and all various types of media. We also talk a little bit of shit and go on crazy tangents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. If you've been with us from the beginning, bless your fucking heart. Yeah. We <laughs> went through a lot of shit. We appreciate, we appreciate you being it. here. Absolutely. How uh, soon until they get the uh, tr- participation trophy for sticking it out this long? You, uh, I um, Fuck participation trophies. <laughs> I will say, I'll give, I will hail them all day, but trophies, you just can't get them for signing up. No. No, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta earn that trophy. Before I get into what this episode is, let me backtrack a little bit. I want to thank you if you've been on this progressive journey with us since episode one. We have filled almost an average of an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes per episode that we've been pumping out from the beginning. It's been a lot. So we're going to lighten it up. We are at the tail end of our Satanic Panic three-part series. We're going to do another little bit of a filler episode just to kind of fill the gaps. You've heard Music Appreciation Day. We dove into a bunch of different music reviewed a whole bunch of school-related music, was it, Johnny? Uh, I believe so, yes. yes. It was school-related music. We're going to get a little bit hedonistic and dive into some sexual-type music. So we're calling this series, of or this feature episode, where we talk about movies, the AV cart. I know, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I always got that weird little happy feeling when some techie nerd or substitute teacher wheeled in wheeled the AV, in. Ca- AV cart is. in school. Because you knew for the next 45 minutes to an hour. Time to go to sleep. You didn't have to do shit. (laughs) So my name is Bill. I am one of the co-hosts here on this podcast journey. I am a member of the Satanic Temple. And today I am joined by... I am Johnny Voorhees. I am also a member of the Satanic Temple. I am Veronica Verratti. I am the valedictorian and um, a Satanist. I am Al. I'm your special friend. And I am a member of the Satanic Temple as well. Al, welcome to class. I'm so glad we could get your schedule changed so you can join us in study hall. How did you find us? What brought you to class today? 
All right, so really long story short, 16 years of bullshit Catholic education. Uh, about a year or so ago, watched Hail Satan. Definitely agree with where the Satanic Temple is coming from in terms of uh, religious plurality, separation of church and state, and just bodily autonomy. Too much judgment going on. A few months ago, I uh, came across uh, here in Delaware County a bunch of happy little heathens and uh, happy little uh, heathens. a couple of uh, bonfires. A couple other events later, here I am. Happy to support Satanic Society Hall and uh, help out with the good fight. We are happy to have you. Absolutely. Now, Happy Little Heathen sounds like a fantastic animated series. You know, we were thinking, and we were just talking a couple weeks ago about potential of animating a Baffinet Mm -hmm. strip. We got to start with a comic, I think. Baffinet and the Happy Little Heathens. I love it. Yeah, think think about that. Yeah, the Baffinets, Happy Little Heathens. That could be like the tagline. That'd be fantastic. But now the Baffinet family is growing. I know Sean just picked up a new member of the family, and then I think Darren has one. Manaz, quite possibly as well. Not sure. I tried to get one from the same site that Dennis had recommended, but they were sold out. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I think they're changing up the style a little bit, because the one they that are. Dennis had was awesome, and then the new ones just kind of look a little lame compared to Yeah, it. one of our listeners and um, patrons, Tabitha, she dives into that pretty hardcore. She's got like three or four different templates and stuff, so we got to um, follow up with Tabitha and see, see what we can get going, because there's always room for more baffinets in the family. But no, great to have you here, Al. Um, it's it's good to have a new perspective and voice and uh, <laughs> the chicken wing thing is the first time I've seen Al <laughs> from our chicken wing story and I'm like without you know spoiling it because we told that on our last Patreon episode we ate some hot wings well I had a hot wing <laughs> Veronica I had, had seven Veronica had a hot wing and then Johnny and Al they had plenty of hot wings and we're not just talking about hot wings. What was the name of the sauces we put on those? Uh, I forget. The the one was Mad Dog 357, which just, it was hot enough. But then when I went to this place, uh, this hot wing store in King of Prussia, they're like, yeah, here's this wing sauce. It's 1.5 million Scoville units. Uh-huh. And I don't know all the calculations, but that is hot. It's just suicide uh, sauce. It's it just straight suicide yeah. sauce. So, you know, so I, I got that. I doused them all up in the 1.5 million scoville sauce and you know and uh bill here has one says oh it doesn't taste that bad so i dump even more of this this mad dog 357 on top someone no pun intended chickens out on me after having one wing says it isn't that bad comes outside like i'm not eating anymore i'm like what he's like yeah yeah after one wing and one minute later it hits him no you're absolutely right and i picked that wing up off the ground it was a five-second rule, right? Yeah, it was, you know, it was on the ground for more than like two or three seconds. Yeah. But No life will live on your kitchen floor for like the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah, literally. And I haven't had an ant problem since that night. The <laughs> entire colony is gone. To be continued. If you want to hear more, become a patron. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I got to maintain some continued. exclusivity for our paying members and our contributors. So great stories. It's on Patreon. Three thirty-three a month can get you, I'd, go, I'd say, a good almost... 10 to 12 hours of moderate boredom and laughs. Yeah, there are some good, (laughs) some really funny Patreon episodes. Yes, so check it out. A little cheap pop and plug for our patron. So hopefully Dennis gets out of in-school suspension. I don't know how many days he has, but um, come back soon, Dennis, and stop pissing off the teachers. For real. But all right, back to the AV cart. So we talked about that special little fucking deep breath, that sigh of relief that you would get when your teacher wheeled the AV cart into your classroom. I know personally... If I were to start it off, 
I was kind of a nerd in school up till probably the end of ninth grade, early tenth grade. So I was the IT nerd that wheeled the yeah, AV you were cart. The one. I was the one that wheeled wow. it into the classrooms. You know, I cued the movies, yep. I set up the projectors and all that shit. You delivered the good news. I did, and I was one of them. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, until you start fucking up in school, and then they take that privilege away. They from take you. it away from you. <laughs> We're taking away else. your AV cart privileges. That's, well, it's because you would be, you'd be allowed to be late to whatever class. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you have to go down to the whatever room they call that, the media room, and then you know sometimes you got elevator privileges. Wow! Because you had to go up the floor and oh, with the projector and shit. The special fucking key. Your school had an elevator. My middle school did. I think. Yeah. Wow. High school didn't. Fancy. It was uh, yeah, us fucking you know cavemen had to climb steps. <laughs> You're using a fucking elevator. Were, no, but I'm telling you, it was an exclusive. Like you had to have your fucking leg broken or be disabled or in a wheelchair or a teacher to be able to use the elevator. <laughs> or a teacher, <laughs> You're fucking lazy. Yeah, I would be. Yeah, they, they don't. Like I'm walking up those steps. Fuck these kids. Principal Pan. Inter- Principal Pan yeah. is the only one who has elevator privileges know, right? here. They don't want to intermingle with us students. They get wanna, off the elevator with our broken leg. I'm taking it. <laughs> That's right. Get the fuck out of here. Here. Little bastard. <laughs> I'll be late to lunch. I got a date. I got a date with the drama teacher. There you go. It brings back memories. What Did you it? actually watch these movies? It depends. Did you actually sit there and watch them? It depends. I watched, uh, first, I remember them playing War Games and The Crucible. And I watched the Of Mice and Men, of course, mm-hmm. which every time I fucking makes me cry. Um, I love that story. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. like, love that story right. to death. Other notable ones, just a lot of history shit, like in social studies, right. like, yeah. you know, Civil War, World War One, World War Two, you know, the crazy fucking patriotic spins they <laughs> put on it, of course. Oh, USA, mm-hmm. fucking bullshit. I mean, nothing really significant. I never had any good teachers who just let fucking let you watch whatever you want. Or, right. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, in high school, I think they let us watch South Park in my physics class, but. That wasn't, hmm. yeah, that wasn't the AV cart, though. That what was high like, school did Bill go to? Oh, yeah, my right. God. Jeez. It, uh, Ithaca High School. Uh-huh. It's a little hippie, yeah. little hippie town in central New York. Jesus. What about you, Johnny? The AV cart. The AV cart was the same for me uh, as it was for you. It was, a, it was a sigh of relief, knowing that I didn't have to think that day. We never watched anything cool like South Park. That was, was like one school. occasion, but... I mean, I remember watching uh, Glory, the uh, the war movie, the Civil War movie. I remember watching, actually, when I was in high school for uh, social studies, we were studying uh, the Dalton Trumbo book, Johnny's Got His Gun. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Metallica wrote a song about it you know, on their Injustice for All album. It's okay. called One. Oh, that's what that's about? And the video is actually from the movie. No we, shit. Yeah, we got to watch the one video in social studies class. So that was cool. We're not even in the music review, and you're schooling me on music already. Yeah, <laughs> like, I had awesome. no idea. Other than that, I mean, I think we watched The Crucible. I can't think of anything else that we watched that would that would be relevant to uh, Satanic Study Hall. You know, the only other thing that I could remember watching, now that you said that, is musicals. Like in music class, we, we would watch, watch Bye those. Bye Birdie and West yeah. Side Story. That would have been awesome. We Mary Poppins even sometimes if the music teacher was really like hungover. God, so. my school sucks. <laughs> my school sucked. This school sucks too. Hey, it did its job. You made it out. True. You made it out. I got that piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's riding the short bus. 
What about you, Veronica? I um, So I went to Catholic school all through elementary and middle. It was a combination. I don't remember ever watching anything fun or non-religious, even in the early 2000s. So it was like you just really? watched you watched the Ten Commandments. Yeah, like pretty twice much. A week. Oh, you um, watched for the sacraments. <laughs> that was punishment. That was detention. <laughs> no, they they would have considered that a like oh this is a privilege for you to be watching this right now. Building up to the sacraments, like in third grade, I remember in sixth grade confirmation, uh, they showed us a lot of videos on the AV cart with that. All videos made well before I was born. It was boring as anything. So like the projector. Uh, th- those, but also in. just like a box TV, a normal box TV they had oh, on the yeah. AV cart. And sometimes they would bring in the projector and they would, you know, get the tallest yeah. person to... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I, Take down the screen. Me it was never me. It was yeah. never me. For real. It was never what I had to, I had to do. To pull down the screen, yeah. That um, fucking projector. Yeah, I think the most fun thing I ever watched during those nine years was, was The Prince of Egypt. Oh, you poor thing. Um, and that was still religious. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Like, damn. I remember uh, in, I think it was fifth grade, they all brought us in. It was like this stupid, stupid school. Like, it was basically a rite of passage. And they're like, oh, you know, you become a fifth grader, they're going to wheel in the AV cart, and then you're going to get the talk. And they separated the boys from the girls. I think we went on different days, and it was, you know, the sexual education video. The Catholic sexual education video. Um, I and wonder how... Is that why I wear glasses? We need to compare and contrast a typical public school sex education video versus a Catholic school mm-hmm. sex education video That's and just on. really try to note the differences. That can make for a really fun episode. Sure could. That might. Might, little, might be a little copyright infringement involved, but as long as our listeners don't snitch, I mean, shit, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it does. Uh, and it wasn't until high school that, you know, every time you finish a book in English class, if the uh, teacher likes the movie adaption, they'll they'll show you the movie adaption. So The Crucible was a great one. Uh, we did watch the old version of Gatsby, uh, Into the Wild, which I'm not a fan of. But, you know, just a lot of these English movies. I don't remember watching too many movies uh, about history. Many people get to watch all these movies. I didn't watch shit. Let me, I remember watching Mad Max. Um, in school? In school. God, I fucking hate you more. War, now, now, every, now we're talking about this is all starting to come back. I don't know. Uh, because I guess it was like an apocalyptic oh, type yeah. thing we were talking about or the end of the world or mm-hmm. nuclear activity or some shit. Um, or just the potential of it with modern tech at the time. I don't know. That's still cool, though. Now that I'm remembering, we did watch one movie and it was Inglorious Bastards. I did get to see Inglorious oh, Bastards oh, in, my, oh, my yeah, in history class, but we couldn't tell anybody about it. Oh, Even yeah, in t- public school, we couldn't oh, tell anybody about Quentin it. Tarantino version? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough wow. Hail Marys in the world to say if you would, <laughs> <laughs> if you were to snitch yeah, right. on that t-shirt. <laughs> you would have caught all types of holy hell. So what about you, Al? I can't remember like much of the stuff i just think it was just just a a few movies here and there maybe stuff related to like whatever subject or study i do remember seeing a couple of oddball things like just you know during my time i remember i think it was i think like we watched bill clinton get it like sworn in i think that was when i was in grade school but that was like on like lunch break like voluntarily Mm -hmm. Uh, i think during one of like my bio classes i vaguely remember seeing like they had like a a video of like a woman giving birth, like actual oh. spread legs giving Seriously? birth. What grade was that? I don't even remember. I just have this this memory of of, of it. I had to watch that video in tenth grade health class. I was gonna say I, I we probably no. had to yeah, see I, the same video. Oh, same video. So I watched crowning. You know the whole crowning right. thing, and it, probably, yeah. probably around the same time, tenth or eleventh grade. 
No one threw up though, right? No one got sick or nope. freaked out in no. my class. I just I remember the teacher saying that, like, yeah, usually some kids like you know freak out and stuff or like just, but no, no one in our class. We just, just sat there getting traumatized. <laughs> Disclaimers. <laughs> I'm just thinking about them. Your health teacher's like, you must yeah. look. <laughs> It's like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh, what was the movie? Clockwork Orange. Yeah, like keeping eyes. the eyes, yeah. to, you know, putting the drops in. <laughs> uh, I need to watch that again. It's been a couple of months. What, a couple the, of the years. Clockwork Orange or the birth, or the birth video? Wow. We just, I left the door wide open and you stepped right in on that one. Well done. <laughs> Bum rushed in. Oh, Belial. Right, Belial. <laughs> Oh, he said he, he even said the uh, the birth video. That's right. <laughs> Damn it, Blyle. I'm not the only one. <laughs> the kids out there somewhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like that was me in that video. How oh many people have seen that? <laughs> I hope he's getting sure. royalties. Yeah, oh, my mommy's <laughs> Imagine the royalties. It's like ten dollars for every school. Every time and someone. And they never. Asked everyone to tell one interesting fact when they went around the room again because of that one guy in his comment. Wow. Yeah, right. Hi, I'm I'm Johnny and here from America's Catholics have seen me being born. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, why is it gonna be my name? Bad it's a conspiracy. Philadelphia. Bad things. <laughs> Bad things. What about uh, you guys remember la- um laser discs? But they like the big DVDs that looked like they records. Yeah, they looked like, like records where they were fucking yeah. Laser discs. What was Jeez. the last year they stopped manufacturing these? Hey, Google. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really hoping it would say what. I don't know plug then. Were they around in 96? No, I think that's when DVDs started. Right, yeah, that's why I, I don't remember. It was probably maybe even late 80s tech, early 90s. <laughs> that's what I would say. Yeah. I'd say early 90s. And then you got, you know. The VHS tapes. VHS tapes were well into the 2000s, mm-hmm. at least at my school. Yeah, people were still renting VHS tapes and... I worked at Hollywood Video when I first moved here. People are still renting VHS tapes, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Anyone here remember Tower Records? I do. Yes, absolutely. One right near me in Northeast Philly. Loved that place. It used to be all over the place, right? Yeah, there was one. On, there was a big one on South Street. No, I think it was three floors. I think they had live perform, like they had like performances there too. Yep. Like, yeah, for those who don't know what South Street is, it's a street in Philadelphia. Uh, where bad things happen. Where bad things happen. Yes. Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things. Especially on South Street. You know that song, Meet Me on South Street? I don't. No. no. Damn it. I look like a fool right now. Um, <laughs> hopefully somebody out there Unless knows. Meet me. me on South Street. And you hear a bunch of snaps. All that. Yeah. It's, it was about South Street in Philadelphia. Ooh. I think it was, that song was made in the 40s or the 50s. All right. Moving on a little bit from that. Uh, what about... Some books that were uh, yanked out of some schools curriculum over the years. You guys, um, anything come to mind? I think that there was a consensus uh, reached by the time I was in high school that, you know, the banning of books was a stupid concept and that, you know, they actually sought to get banned books back, like put back into um, the curriculum. Uh, But what's jumping out at me right now is when Looking for Alaska by John Green came out, he writes novels. He, he was the author of uh, Paper Towns and uh, The Fault in Our Stars. When Looking for Alaska came out, I remember there was a problem with it for like sexual content, drug use, and alcoholism. But that's the only thing in my time that I can even remember there was a, a small problem with. I've never had, I never had a problem with banned books when I was in school. So what we're going to do is we're just going to go through a list from ALA.org. 
And this is frequently challenged books throughout history, 1900s mostly. I think it's a list of about 20-some books that have been challenged and banned throughout the world. The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. It says, this title has been a favorite target of censors. And if you've read the book, then you should know why. Who wants to take the first fact? Uh, 1960, a teacher in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was fired for assigning the book to an 11th grade English class. In 1963, a delegation of parents of high school students in Columbus, Ohio, asked the school board to ban the novel for being anti-white and obscene. The school board refused the request. Damn. There's, and it's, as I'm looking here, I mean, we'll only read a few facts from each one, but it just progressively, I mean, you just see over and over more school districts removed, removed, removed. Like wow. removed, removed, not just banned. You know what I mean? It's a challenge. It's removed from curriculums and complete school districts. This is crazy. Citing of being unacceptable, obscene, sexual references, and full of profanity. I mean, it was. It continued to be banned. It looks like all the way through the mm-hmm. early nineties. That's a little surprising. It's not it, It's not a book I have that much experience with, actually. I think I escaped high school not reading it all the way through. And I think my high school curriculum was, I th- think, one of the only ones that didn't have us read this book. So I kind of picked it up by myself a few years later. I, I don't put books down, but I, I got halfway through it, and I was just annoyed by the, the tone because it's written a very cocky teenager's point of view. And that was kind of the only problem I remember having with it. Outside of that, I don't have that much experience with its graphic content. I know there was some language here and there, but it's not. It's a filthy, filthy book. Bad things happen. Bad things. things. Bad things happen. (laughs) And To Kill a Mockingbird. Bad things. Bad things happen in The Grapes of Wrath. Speaking of The Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, speaking of The Grapes of Wrath, that is our next book by Mr. John Steinbeck. Um, burned by the Illinois Public Library in 1939. And yes, I said burned. And it was barred from the Buffalo, New York Public Library in 1939 as well. And the grounds that vulgar words were used. It was then banned in Kansas City, Missouri in 1939. 1939 was not a good year for Mr. John Steinbeck. Banned in Kern County, the scene of Steinbeck's novel in 1939. He had a little break, though. They left him alone for 14 years. Yeah, and then it was banned in Ireland in 1953. <laughs> Not just a school district. I don't remember that book having anything to do with Ireland. It was fucking banned in an entire country. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say not even just a, uh, a city it was banned in. It's about country. Oklahoma emigrants yeah. uh, going to California, and Ireland had a problem with it. I mean, we've got people in Turkey and Turkish book publishers going crazy. Yeah. 20 years later. Yeah, and all the way, I mean, I'm... Fast forwarding here, and it's been all the way to 1993. It was because challenged. the book contains the phrase "God damn, <laughs> God damn," and vain and profane manner, along with inappropriate sexual references. Because the book is full of filth, my son is being raised in a Christian home, and this book takes the Lord's name in vain and has all kinds of profanity in it. Yeah, coming from Cummings High School, <laughs> Burlington, <laughs> North Carolina. Shut damn. up, Karen. <laughs> I say that out loud. How derogatory is Karen now? Like, can I not say that? Oh, no. I say it all the time. Okay, good. I say it on a daily basis. I just want to make sure. I said it about 15 times before I got here. <laughs> <laughs> My head's been so far in a in a hole with this podcast. I'm, like, not aware of what's going on around me. I feel so bad for all the people named Karen out there. Same. Yeah. The abuse. They're- I don't want to go on a tangent, but the best Karen I know is the... She's wonderful. I feel so bad. She doesn't have the Karen haircut? No. All right, good. 
Because that is in itself a self-sabotage. If your name is Karen and you have that fucking haircut, what are you doing? Cannot, you're asking to, to speak, speak to, to somebody's manager. manager. Yes, that's what you're doing. You're asking to speak to the district manager. Can I speak to the principal? I don't like this to kill a mockingbird. That's yes. The grapes are Because it says whore lady in it. I'm going to write a letter. <laughs> I'll show them. Yes. I'm raising my son in a Christian household. Uh, Here's your first mistake. <laughs> well done, sir. Yes, really. You fit in Satanic Study Hall like a puzzle piece. I knew you'd be a fit. This book, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, was challenged in Eden Valley, Minnesota in 1997. 77. Just, damn it. Thank you, Johnny. It was challenged in the Vernon Verona Sherrill, New York School District in 1980 as a filthy, trashy novel. I'm sensing, I'm sensing a pattern here. Yes. Filthy, trashy, no elaboration. This says it caused psychological damage to the positive integration process. Represents institutionalized racism under the guise of good literature. Another school district challenged it because of the use of the N-word. Profanity, racial slurs across the board. I keep going. I keep scrolling. And it's like 95, wow, this one 96. this all the way to 2001. Yeah. 2003. We're in, we're in 2006 now, 2007. Jeez, now, mind you, as I progress to the 2000s, there are a lot of places that are challenging here. But I'm also reading... You know, retained, retained, retained. So th while these books are, while this book's being challenged in a lot of curriculums, it's not necessarily being removed. I'm kind of curious if censorship's going to start to come back. I mean, we recently heard that, you know, Gone in the Wind, you know, we have all this cancel culture going on now. Like, how much, how, are we going to see, like, a new kind of, you know, book banning and a new kind of censorship not because of actual censorship, but because of cancel culture and things like that. Yeah. I think that's already going on. Yeah, I think, I think so that's too. All, we're already deep in that, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm one for treating people the right way, but I'm also one against censorship. So it's kind of like a toss-up. I mean, I can see some of it being good. Like, you know, if you're not saying things that can be offensive to people. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, there's a valid point to be made about the fact that Okay, you know, you have to watch everything you say now and how people perceive it, even when you have no idea how they're going to perceive it. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, free speech absolutist, no censorship, no exceptions. And then and that's the whole thing, too, is when when we go back to the tenets, um, you know, as members of the Satanic Temple, we have, you know, p the right to a friend. Uh, the freedom of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. My favorite tenant. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. You know, I always try to respect that and come back to that. And, you know, that's one of the tenants I come back to a lot in some of my personal struggles in life. You know, I think that that kind of applies. Like, you know, we can't put muzzles on in the world and expect to make any progress. The world speech books, you know, we don't we don't have to go back to any kind of dark age that's ever existed. And it's a little bit sad that it's 2020. And even in college, that was probably the worst of what I saw. And I, I'm paying for this higher education right. and censorship was was all around me. You know, even then, I'm happy to kind of be away from it now. But but back then, I mean, I, I remember sitting in my classrooms being like, this is surprising. And I'm paying a lot of money to be here mm -hmm. for really backwards things that people were doing 50 years ago. And it's weird as, you know, we're talking about these banned books and I wanted to talk about a few more. But at the same time, you know, pulling up the tenets and thinking about this topic that we're on is one should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. 
The struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. I mean, what we're talking about can be applied under that umbrella. Sure. Unban these fucking books. Right. Make, you know what I mean? Like, remove the hysteria um, and all all the stuff that's still being, you know, you know censored and, and blacklisted and all that. And then we talked about the freedom of others should be respected. But then what about belief should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world? When these books first started getting banned and taken off of shelves, a lot of it was because they went against scripture. Right. And they went against the, you know, the accepted words and the teachings of Christianity and the Catholic Church. And now they're trying to push the, uh, you know, the creation story must be taught in classrooms. Yep, they sure are. Oh, that makes See, now fucking... that's the problem that I have with the fourth. Are we supposed to respect that as Satanists or not? Because, I mean, it does say that, you know, one, you know, the freedoms of others should be respected, you know, including the freedom to offend, of course. I can respect someone's freedoms, especially their freedom to offend. Doesn't necessarily mean I have to fucking agree with it or get down with it or even appreciate it. Like I, I, I still reserve the right to flip that tenant right back in whoever's face, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like it's kind of ping pong. And public school is a little bit of a different discussion because they're held to a national standard. So, like, if I believe one thing, you believe another, our kids are going to the same school. But we're both affected by that. Our, our, our kids are affected by that. So, you know, if I believe in the creation story and you are strictly against it, I don't think your kids should be forced to, you know, undergo a religious belief in the classroom. Uh, we're both paying for that. Right. The problem is everything's relative. I yeah, mean, you could have, that's true. You know, you could have a, a, you know, a diehard Christian saying, you know, well, yeah, we have to follow the creation story, but all the, you know, all the scientific creation doesn't exist. And then you have the scientists saying, you know, the, you know, the science minded people saying, okay, well, the creation story is bullshit. And, you know, we, we have to go off of science. Right. And I know. think that's the line between people in their personal lives and then going to a school that's dictated on a federal level. Um, and what is taught in that school is dictated on a federal level. I think it's a really in-depth conversation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, no, I just kind of want to, I always like to, you know, kind of apply these tenets to weird shit. Um, even something as simple as, you know, going back and thinking about, you know, banned books or, you know, looking at the list of banned books and without going too far into, you know, detail in the interest of time, um, just going through this list, we have Ulysses by James Joyce, Beloved by Toni Morrison. Never heard of it, that one. Uh, Beloved, is, Beloved is a, it's a, it's a harrowing book. They have bestiality in it? In what part? That's what it says at the very end. I don't remember that part in it. There's a lot of like explicit uh, oh, sexual. Oh yeah, it was a topic. It was one of the topics. Maybe they just talked about it. Oh, they just know. talked about it. Okay. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of explicit sexual uh, stuff and incestuous, I believe, uh, that goes on in Beloved. It's a really sad story, but I got a lot out of it. Yeah, Lord of the Flies. One of my favorites. 1984, Lolita. Now, this is That was one of my favorite Ooh, Lolita movie. No, <laughs> <laughs> the, the other favorite book, but I love 1984. Oh, I just thought it was, I thought it was, you know, just, it was awesome. It was you know, definitely that's something that I had never really, you know, you know, presenting a different reality in that, in that manner with Newspeak and whatever. But that's what I was trying to get to before. It's like, okay, it's pro communist and it contained Explicit sexual matter is what um, the grounds that it was challenged in Jackson County. But, you know, as a kid reading it, I, OK, maybe some of the couple of sex scenes in there. 
But it's like it's pro-communist. It's like I didn't even really understand what communism was as a kid reading this book. And the joke is that it's it's anti-communist. Exactly. It's like how in the West Memphis Three they used an anti-inquisition book to in an inquisition. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. Everyone with an agenda has something to push, and they'll twist the truth no matter how far it goes to get what they want. Um, I just like the album by Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> But that Lolita book, that's the that is the song that's based off of uh the police song that we played in, in yes. um Don't Stand So Close to Me, right? It is. I remember that Don't I remember stand. that episode. Um I did my senior project in high school on Lolita and the book and kind of like the implications. Um it's a great book if you ever get a chance to read it. It's a little bit complicated. I remember even as a senior in high school reading it, not completely understanding it, but still writing a research paper on it. I revisited it again a few years later. It's got a lot to say. It's not what people think. But of course, this is another book like, you know, 1984 on the surface. People are going to read it and be like, well, is this is this pro-pedophile? Is this pro, um, you know, kidnapping? Like, is this pro-murder to a degree? Like, it's it's none of that. It's it's a great book. Check it out. You know, get your own interpretation of it. Look into it. And um, the movie is, is awesome as well. Yes, the 1950s we definitely, movie. We definitely encourage you to check these books out. Of Mice and Men. John Steinbeck. Holy shit, poor Lenny. Yep. Why the fuck was that banned? Another one for uh, using God's name in vain and profanity. Oh, yeah, I can see that. And then just fast forwarding, that's a long... That's a <laughs> Mice long and Men way. had some haters. 2007 was the last action that happened. Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Animal Farm by George Orwell. That's another great one. And I- Again, with the communism stuff. Yep. The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway, As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner, A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway, and then the list keeps going on and on and on and on. So we are going to, what do you guys think, bathroom break? Sure. All right. We're going to go grab the whole pass and take a quick bathroom break. We will be right back. In the meantime, enjoy another episode. Hi, Blyle. Man, He just likes to jump right in on cue, doesn't he? What I was going to say before I was so rudely interrupted was enjoy another episode of The Devil's Dictionary. Hey, I'm getting that pass first, Bill. Stop it. No. Now it's time to read The Devil's Dictionary. Hello, Study Hall. Welcome to another edition of The Devil's Dictionary. Today's word is banished. Definition of banished. Required by an authority to leave a country. Example. A dictator who banishes anyone who opposes him. Driven out or removed from a home or place of a usual resort or continuance. Examples. He was banished from court. Banishing her from the sport. The reporters were banished to another room. To clear away. Dispel. Banished used in a sentence. Our one and only Johnny Voorhees was recently banished from a cult after ignoring 75 messages from the group's puritanical leader. For sharing her alternative theological views with the community, the Puritan midwife was tried, convicted, and banished from the colony. That's all this week. Remember, don't be a dick and have a satanist.
begin, oh help me and don't leave my sin. For I repentant thou shalt be, from evil I will turn to thee. None ever shall destroy my faith, for I repentant thou shalt be. Oh God, my Lord, and now begin, oh help me and don't leave my sin. For I repentant thou shalt be, from evil I will turn to thee. Welcome to our first AV Cart movie review. Yes. The Witch. This movie fucked with me. I've seen it three times. And every time I watch it, fucks with my head. I pick up on like three or four new things that I never noticed before. Those are the best kinds of movies. Absolutely. So we decided to pick this movie for various reasons. There are some Satanic Temple um, coverage and promotion that was involved in this movie as far as um, storytelling, the history of everything that this movie died into. I'm looking over here at Veronica, and Veronica has a lot of notes. This is my second favorite movie ever. <laughs> so we've dubbed Veronica, Veronica the Valedictorian, and Johnny, Johnny's seen it. Uh, Al has not seen it. But, I have not seen it. So Al's going in this with the blinders, so there will be spoilers. I hope everybody hears that. If you have not seen The Witch or We Summon the Darkness. Stop fucking listening and go watch them. <laughs> yes, and then but, come back and hang out. Press pause, note the timestamp, and do your thing. And Belial agrees. Belial agrees. So on that note, Veronica, are you cool with me kind of just kind of tossing this over to you? you no, wanna... that's perfect. Um, If you want to talk about some of the uh, later on the promotion that the temple did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, with, yeah, right. With Jack I... Blackmore, yeah, for sure. Right. Um, I know, you know, a lot about the production. Um, So this came out in 2015. My origins with it were a little bit, I saw it a little bit later. Um, I was in college. I wasn't really seeing films. I was kind of stuck in, you know, Center City, Philadelphia. None of my friends, and like, we didn't want to take taxis to the movie theater. So we ended up, any movie that came out within the next two years, I, I didn't see in theaters. Right. Um. So, you know, a couple years later, I evaded spoilers. The only thing that I heard about this movie was that a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people I knew who saw it didn't like it, couldn't get through it. And predominantly, what, from what they told me, it was because of the old English, Okay. which I am a complete nerd for. I love things written. But they loved Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I think The Witch was a little bit more hardcore. Yeah, but from, from a, I don't know, just the way yeah, they spoke and everything. Yeah. But, I mean, hell, they had... Uh, what was what was her name? The wife. She was in Game of Thrones. She was um, oh Kate Dickey. Yeah. Kate Dickey. Yeah, yep. she, she was she is um, awesome. Stark's sister. Yeah. Yep. Um. She. Uh. She's so good at playing kind of like these unhinged mother characters. Yeah, I'd and say so. I Ooh. think she does it even better here, uh, just because there's more. You know, it's, it's such a dynamic character. And I see her nipple and every everything she's been <laughs> in so far. It's <laughs> a terrifying scene. This movie is so good. Yes. Um. So I went into it. You know, Dark Knight. Uh. Just you know by myself and i watched it and it was completely exceeded my expectations i will say that i had to watch it a couple times to really delve in even even a history nerd like Good, me so had I to, the only one. yeah exactly like you have to see it a few times to absorb it so it was directed by robert eggers again uh, came out in 2015 he's originally from new hampshire and he had this idea for a long time and he, he put it was a shit ton of research he had to do just from the dialogue, getting the dialogue correct, they ended up going with a filming location. I think it was somewhere, a very remote uh, area of Ontario. Yes. Uh, it still turned out great. Um, even if they did it for kind of like, I think it was tax incentives were were part of why they chose that filming location. And they ended up building like a mini 
kind of, you know, the, the Puritan shack, the makeshift Puritan farm. They did it all out there. He only production was really, really picky about yeah, the scene too. He only used natural lighting. All of the candlelight you see indoor that's complete natural candle lighting. Wow. Um, they went hardcore. They, uh, the, the costume director, I actually don't know too much about this, only that, you know, they did use things like actual wool and like hemp and stuff that they would have made clothes out of in the 1600s. You know, it's funny you say that, not to interrupt, but I remember reading an interview and where that the director was like super embarrassed about the scene where you could see thomason's ear piercing she didn't have that she didn't have the earring in but you could see the hole in her ear i didn't even know where, that fact but until you like i wouldn't have that's that, how nobody would have known <laughs> yeah well i mean then the director put it out there because it bothered him that's how nitpicky and to the detail that they attempted to be with this film and i believe it and he you know i i did see a, another interview with him and he sought out you know when this was in development he said i need this to be a puritan's nightmare and just everything you know every historical fact you can pick out from the puritan time this was you know the crucible touches on that they come over from england and they're trying to tame a wilderness and the legend goes this black man the, the devil like resides in untamed wilderness and he will uh, tempt the most vulnerable and the weakest among you to come and join him mm -hmm. dance in the woods naked with him sign his black book do a bunch of rituals what i also love about this movie is that the way the witch is portrayed, it's very minimalistic. Um, it, there's only glimpses, uh, like with a baby and a knife and moonlight and a naked body. And you can infer, if you know historical facts about it, that they're making an ointment out of the baby's blood. Uh, the the transition from the witch to the owl to the broomstick. Oh, that it's, scene, uh, not to interrupt you, but that mm -hmm. scene with the entra entrails of the baby and the... Yeah, grinding oh, it up, grinding God. it up to make an ointment, a witch ointment. I, I, was, mm -hmm. I was at a loss from words, just think I could visualize it in my head, and it looked so fucking real. Mm -hmm. Like, oof. They, they did an absolutely great job. Um, they didn't need to show the witch more than they had to. No, they did not. Um, they showed a few animals that, you know, because of lore, you know, was said to have the devil, the, the be familiars of the devil, um, like the hare and the raven and the goat. So that was, that's the symbolism of the hare, which mm -hmm. is probably most likely the rich. Yep, the, yep. I was torn between whether or not that was similar to like, you know, the Black Philip angle of things, or if that was the witch. I wasn't sure which. Um, It could be either. It's like, you know, the devil resides in these and, you know, his witches, kind of they have these hand. familiars all. Um. Yeah, uh, it's it's whatever. There's so many different interpretations, too, um, even with the historical research and, and accuracy. And uh, the spin I really like about it is that he didn't have this in necessarily a village setting. And this would actually happen more than people realize. If you stepped out of the Puritan ideological line, you could be banished. You weren't even necessarily, depending on the crime, you weren't put to death. People were sent out of the colonies into the wilderness, and they had to. There were entire families that would be on their own and have to grow their own food. So that opening scene was authentic and mm -hmm. true to the time. Exactly, and that would be a Puritan's nightmare. Not only separate it, you know, from your community who's against the devil now, but now you're on your own, having to feed yourself against the devil that resides in these woods and in this case you know picks you off one by one and tears away at your sanity something else i love i love it all i think it's scary um i think the characters are really authentic and that's so hard to pull off you're playing characters that you know would have lived centuries ago 
and they did it great. They chose Anna Taylor-Joy specifically for her ability to emote. Like in the trailer, you see her, you know, playing peekaboo with the baby and then mm-hmm. the baby's gone. Um, I think in her audition tape, just because of her ability to, you know, emote and show horror and fear oh, the way the, that she at could. the flip of a switch. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. And uh, I, I don't want to give too much away about the ending, but that's also awesome. And that also ties into, you know, Puritan lore about the devil and what necessarily kind of, from what these people thought, went on hardcore in the woods. You know, what the witches among them were doing in the woods and the power that, you know, Satan would bestow upon them. It's kind of a hard movie to get through. You know, it's a family being torn apart at the seams. You're not exactly sure for most of the movie whether which exists even it's yeah, kind of like the Blair it's a little bit more showy than especially Blair. with the back and forth between the twins and Thomason when when you know they're they're out there and she's I'm the witch of the woods and Those and then and the, the the twins were fantastic even all the way to the end like they they played their role perfectly I like, couldn't imagine being a kid and having to play that role especially the sister back and forth where you know Thomason that's also like awesome just the way the character is written by itself because you know you're the oldest girl you're being looked at like if one of us is a witch you know it's it's you by default and the baby disappeared on your watch it's just a character that has pretty much everything against her from the beginning and then to see her play up this part with like this younger sister who's like yeah you know like I believe it's you. And at the point, you don't give a damn. You're just, yeah, you think it's me, it's me. And that's where I was torn because the second time I watched this movie, I actually thought that maybe she was just like, yeah, fuck it. You're right. It's me. Not to the point where she was the witch of the wood, but she was flattering to the point where she was fucking bored with this Puritan lifestyle. Mm -hmm. She wanted more than what her parents, her family, this life she was living had to offer, which, you know, in turn just put this giant target on her and that's also something uh, maybe not a lot of people catch but something i think is really interesting kate dickey the mother it's also you know anybody that's seen the movie you know but to watch specifically the relationship between mother and daughter just completely sever and pretty yes. early on because of the loss of a baby kate dickey back in puritan times you would actually not rent out your oldest daughter or eat, like a lot of your daughters it happened to you wouldn't necessarily rent them out but they would go to other families in the community to be kind of live-in servants. Mm -hmm. And what they would get out of that, I think, was a minor wage, but they would mostly be, you know, fed, housed, clothed by this... by this host family and you extra be sent to the family you'd basically be an apprentice to become a good wife for the community someday (sighs) um and there's a scene where the mother you know it it, you have to guess it's why everything's so dynamic it's she even says to her husband in bed we need to send thomason back to the village to 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 become a servant in another household and are you doing that because you know your kids are going to starve if you don't do that is it because you don't trust her you want her away Mm -hmm. there's just so many different angles to these characters i i love the way he did this um this is one of my favorite films of all time um just the characterization the dialogue the way it's shot the accuracy the amount of care that went into this and i uh I, i've heard some people disagree with me but i think it's scary um do you think it's scary? there, there were moments where i was scared uh i didn't know what to expect at the end the whole dynamic of black philip creeped me the fuck out all the way to the end. And I know we said there'd be spoilers and I'm going to try not to spoil the end to the best of my ability, but black, the whole, the whole dynamic of black Phil, Philip fucked with my head to the point where I had to rewind it. What did I miss? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that, that 
end scene, the aggression mm-hmm. comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like nowhere. I did not expect that. Like that to me was one of those, you know, moments where I, you know, I fucking jumped out of my seat. The yeah. actor was actually briefly put into the hospital after that scene. Really? Yeah. And you know, funny thing is too, is we talked about, you know, uh, the one character being from Game of Thrones, he was from, the father was from Game of Thrones as well. Was he? Yeah, I can't remember exactly what role that he played. He might have been um, somebody from the North or uh, somebody that traveled with Thoros of Mir or something like that. But nonetheless, yeah, they, were, they both had Game of Thrones credits. But wow. yeah, just the, the range of emotion, the struggle. I mean, we're talk, we talked about her and, you know, the mother's, you know, disassociation with Thomason and losing a baby and everything. And then you have this father who just had to separate his family from the town based on his, you know, devout It is. That's just another, that's why it's so cool. You know, it's not only, you're not seeing it in a village setting. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you normally would expect a story like this to go. This is a Puritan family that's been isolated. And this guy has convictions. Yeah. And he's not letting them go for anything. And And he gets broken down and, and, you know, broken down. The scenes in the woods with Caleb and then himself and when they made the cross and just the, and then when he dragged Thomason out there to pray and pray louder and Mm -hmm. it was, it was something else. There's this awesome, um, I I think the kid should have won an award, but this awesome kind of, you're not exactly sure what's going on and that's also why it's cool, but a possession scene that happens um, followed by a death, but that yes. is just, it, it, that is, that is chilling to watch. Even the first time I watched it and, you know, by the third time I'm, I'm hooked, but the first time watching that, it is unnerving. It, it's a fantastic film. Johnny, what'd you think about the witch? I didn't know about all this information until, um, Veronica brought it up. I didn't know that it was so close to that time. I was one of the ones that didn't like it the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. What was your I thought it was impression? boring. Boring. I didn't think it. You know, I didn't think it was a bad movie, but it wasn't what I expected. Yeah, I expected it to be horror, like horror, horror. I don't. I don't know what to compare it to, but I just expected it to be a horror movie. I agree. I didn't appreciate it. Until Maybe the it's more time. psychological horror than the kind of horror that I'm used to, like Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween and that kind of horror. Uh, Veronica touched on it, but I was gonna I was gonna touch on it too. That that possession scene is fucked up, and it is fantastic. It is a fantastic scene. It is scary. It is unnerving. You know, the scariest part to me was what he said at the end. Yeah, that was in the end for in the end. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and it's uh, just. Going back to the crucible a little bit, um, but if you have any interest in in that, I mean, the cool thing about the witch is what happens in the witch, what transpires is what they murdered people in Salem right. for. Sure. Like that's what they actually that, that's what they thought they were doing in the woods. So it's a really good, you know, if you see a version of the crucible or if you're just done reading it and you want to watch the movie adaption and then you want to watch the witch, it's the witch shows you what the Puritans thought we're going on in this mm-hmm. untamed wilderness. Sure. I really, I really enjoy that movie. And a lot of other people did. I mean, even from a Rotten Tomatoes standpoint, and we're talking about box office growths, uh, they got a, I mean, approval rating of 90% based on 317 reviews. Now you'd think that they'd get more, but I mean, the devout Rotten Tomato haters, you know, gave it a 90%, 7.77 out of 10. So that was relatively impressive. Uh, 
We've also got, you know, the witch grossed 25.1 million in the United States and Canada and another 15.3 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $40.4 million. That's not that bad because from the interviews and everything that I read into is I know a lot of extra money went into production and whatnot, but production couldn't have been too much out of location and attention to detail to maintain historical accuracy. I think the costume designer at one point pushed for a higher costume budget, but that's the extent of the detail yeah. knowledge I know about that. It, it, it makes sense, too, because you think about it, I mean, there were really no extras. Right. No. Um, and was, I, yeah, for so more there any A-list yeah. stars or anything? Well, Anna Taylor-Joy, I she's gained a large following in the past few years. She's in everything I see now. Yeah, else? Ralph Henderson is in a lot of movies. Yeah, he's a big Dutch actor. And Kate Dickey, of course, you know, she's awesome English actress. Yeah, she's she's got a, a pretty big resume. So what are, what are other things have Thomason been in? I know she looked familiar. Um, I, So the thing I watched recently that she's in, it's actually just voice acting, but it's The Dark Crystal on Netflix. Also awesome. If you want to see it, it's not for kids. My, my kids <laughs> just started watching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're cool. I don't know if you guys seen Split. Yes. But she was yes, in that she was. Too. You're right, John. Oh, yeah. okay. From a religious standpoint, there were a couple notes in here that I, I put in my research. Now, somebody named Julia Alexander of Polygon. I'm pretty sure there's probably context to who she is previously in my notes. But she says that the witch, quote, asks people to try and understand what life would have been like for a family of devout Christians living in solitude, terrified of what may happen if they go against the word of God. It's a great fucking way to sum it up. Sure you know it I mean, on top of the whole witchcraft piece of things. Mm-hmm. Who needs satanic panic when you've got Christian panic? Any last thoughts on this awesome fucking movie? Did we leave anything out? Without spoiling? Without spoiling. I don't think so. It is spelled uh, the way it is with the two V's because Robert Eggers saw a uh, pamphlet that I believe was from the 1600s on witches. I forget who was the author of the pamphlet, but it was authentically spelled that way in no the 1600s. Mm-hmm. I that. always wondered about that. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to actually spell out the word witch. I don't know. You know, it's like some You'd have to ask uh, some, some 1600s people. Englishmen. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, you know, someone else around here has two V's. <laughs> Maybe we should be careful. Uh-oh. Two V's in their name. Uh, I've been found Ver- out. It's Veronica the Valedictorian. They see? got me. All right, Veronica, thank you for that kick-ass um, journey with The Witch. I love the movie. I know some people didn't, but uh, after a couple times and doing some research, I got to say it was fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm one of the people. I didn't like it at first, but after you watch it a few times, you you learn to appreciate it and how great it really is. I'll be watching it tomorrow night in the dark. Alone. Good. With your blankie. <laughs> With my blankie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was awesome. That was our first crack at a movie review or just any type of movie commentary. So uh, if you want to pick us apart or give us some suggestions for next time, hit us up at satanic study hall at gmail.com. One journey over. It's time for another to begin. Johnny, what do you think? Is it music time? Let's do some music. Let's do it. Guess what? The fun is over. Now we're going to get to the downright evil stuff. Oh, no! We're going to take a look at some of these satanic songs. Hail Satan. It's Abe Satanish, you fuck. We still we still kind of got it. It's the music review. Yeah, you're right. 
Hail Satan, Satan indeed. indeed. Yes. All right, so what are we talking about today for the music review? We are talking about none other than the king. No, not fucking Elvis Presley. <laughs> king Diamond. Uh-oh. Says a likely resemblance to Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath, but... Does it? Yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll just go on Let's pretend that it doesn't. And this is the album Abigail, if you're wondering, if you're playing at home. This album was released on June 15th, 1987 on Roadrunner Records. This was the band's second album and their first concept album. The album has sold 175,000 copies in North America alone. This is the last King Diamond album to feature guitarist Michael Denner and bassist Timmy Hansen. A little bit of background, it was recorded at Soundtrack Studios in Copenhagen, Denmark between December of 96 to February of 87. The album was produced by the King himself. And this is a really, really interesting fact that I found cool. I didn't even put this together. And I used to love this video game. But in 1989, Capcom game Final Fight. Have you ever played that? Yeah. They paid homage to King Diamond by naming the boss in the fifth stage Abigail. Really? Yeah. And the face of this particular boss resembled King Diamond's. No shit. Man, I had to go back and say it myself. Someone needs to write a book about all those weird homage things that people did in video games in 90s pop culture that were never publicized. Like, right. I'd be interested to know more about that stuff. All right. So the album was released with bonus tracks in 1997, and then a 25th anniversary edition was released with a bonus DVD. All right. So we're going to do something a little bit different this week. Uh-oh. Instead of going through each and every song and saying what's going on in it, I'm going to tell a little story. <gasps> I'm excited. Story it's my time. favorite part of this whole album. Yes. Story time. All right. The album. Oh, Belial. I'm glad you agree. Give me a sit on my lap. All right. <laughs> he hopped right up. Yeah, he did. All right. The album takes place in the year 1845. It's the telling of the story of a young couple, Miriam Nates and Jonathan LaFray, who move into a new mansion, which was inherited by LaFray. Uh, they've been warned not to move into the mansion by seven horsemen because if they do, 18 will become nine. They refuse to hear the warnings and move in anyway. The first night in the mansion, Lafray meets Count de Lafray, who is the spirit of a dead relative who shows him the casket of a stillborn child named Abigail. The child tells Lafray that Miriam is carrying the spirit of Abigail and she must be killed to prevent the spirit from being reborn. It then goes back to the story of what happened to the Count and his wife on June, I'm sorry, July 7th, 1777, when the Count discovered his wife cheated and in a rage threw her down the stairs, breaking her neck and causing their unborn child to become stillborn. Oh shit. The Count had his wife cremated and named the stillborn child Abigail before having the baby mummified and laid to rest in a sarcophagus. What in the fuck? Yeah. The story then returns to the summer of 1845 when Jonathan and his wife start to experience strange happenings like ringing church bells when no one is present to ring them. Flowers dying? Why? I don't know if that's really strange. I mean, if you don't water them, they'll die. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you, right? oh, why are my flowers dying? Water them. You the song is fuck. a lot more poetic than that, Johnny. <laughs> that's true. 
nasty stenches in the house. And like, well, that has that that can be you know a problem debunked as well. On the dining room table being set for three when there's only two of them. Hmm. Uh, also, the fray finds a swinging cradle uh, that they did not bring into the house themselves. The next day, they find out Miriam is pregnant, and the fetus develops very quickly. Quick, quicker than a fetus usually develops, I guess. Uh, Lefray then starts to believe that the ghost was telling the truth about Abigail. Later, things start to escalate uh, when Lefray accuses Abigail of possessing Miriam. She admits that it was her, uh, and he considers an exorcism. Uh, when Miriam, in a moment of control, urges Lefray to do the same to her that was done to the Countess by the Count. Uh, Lefray pretends to give in and tells Abigail that she should come down to her crypt so she can finally be reborn. Come, Abigail. However, when the couple reaches the top of the stairs, Lefray gets distracted and his wife pushes him down the stairs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, right? Marion proceeds to give birth to Abigail and dies shortly after when her last sight being Abigail's yellow eyes. Uh, supposedly, her ghost can be heard screaming on the stairs in July ever after. You bitch! Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you killed me! The seven horsemen arrive at the mansion and discover the baby Abigail in her sarcophagus eating something that the narrator finds too horrific to mention. It is suggested, uh, because the baby is found in the tomb, that Abigail is eating her own body. Disgusted with their findings, uh, they take her away and bury her in a hidden chapel in the forest with seven silver spikes through her body, which is heard at the beginning of the album, mm -hmm. The Funeral, in hopes to prevent future resurrections. Wow. And that is the story of Abigail. Now, the track listing for this album is one, Funeral, two, Arrival, three, A Mansion in the Darkness, four, The Family Ghost, Five, the seventh day of July, 1777. Six, Omens. Ah. Seven, The Possession. Eight, Abigail, which was the track you just heard prior to this one. And nine, Black Horseman. Now, you might be asking yourself, who's on this album? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> of course, the singer is Elvis. No, the singer's King Diamond. King Diamond. And he is the he's the vocalist and he's the producer as well. And the guitar players, Andy the Rock, he's one of the guitar players, lead guitar players. The other guitar player is Michael Denner, Timmy Hansen on bass, and Mickey D on drums. Does anybody know who Mickey D is? I do not know. You know when it's not a restaurant? I don't. Oh, you guys suck. <laughs> but anyway. You're gonna tell us, right? Oh yeah. Um, overall, this is a straight-up classic heavy metal record. It's filled with dynamic vocals by the King, and it has the melodies and harmonies of power metal with the lyrical content of black metal. A family member to be reborn, and awesome musicianship. That just, that just dominates. Yeah. It dominates all throughout this record. I find the music is just as incredible as as King Diamond's vocal range and his songwriting ability. I mean, and Mickey D, as I mentioned before, he was the the uh, drummer of the late great Motorhead. 
for over 20 years. Okay. And he kills it on this record. I mean, although he's not playing, you know, in a spotlight-worthy drumming, no, he still manages to accompany the guitars beautifully. Uh, so, you know, let's talk about the guitars. The guitar riffs, you know, a longtime member, Andy LaRock, uh, he also played in uh, the death metal band Death. And he's written and played several solos on records for bands such as At The Gates, uh, Demi Bourguerre, and Witchery. Uh, along with Michael Denner, the other guitar player, they're just amazing. You know, their their riffs definitely have elements of death metal in them. Great, they definitely do. I've been yeah. I learned about these people four days ago. I I was a complete virgin to King Diamond, and that's all I've been listening to yeah. in my car. And the uh, the solos, you know, they're they're interesting to me, and I just think that this album it just goes on to set the stage for any band that wants to sound evil or satanic. Oh, and Rob, Roberto Fowler. I forgot to mention him. He's the keyboard player. Roberto. Yeah. So, you know, one listen to this album, and you know why. You know, it's labeled an all-time classic for over 30 years. You know, from King Diamond storytelling and haunting vocals to every guitar note and hit of the drums, you experience greatness, and you get it all in 40 minutes. Yeah, it was a relatively short album. I feel this is a complete and total masterpiece. I feel it is one of the greatest concept albums of all time. It's executed perfectly with its dark lyrical content, its guitars, and one of the greatest voices in metal. The album is a must-have for any, any metal fan. And even from a producing standpoint, I feel it's almost flawless. And it definitely stands up, you know, to anything that's been put out in today's metal genre. So, Abigail, I salute you. It's a truly amazing record. Hail King Diamond. Hail Abigail. Hail yourself. Agreed. Hail Abigail. I'm so Hail glad Abigail. we chose to do King Diamond because, like I said, I, I've i heard them, I guess, maybe in people's cars at parties. Uh, but listening to this album from start to finish definitely makes me want to dive into everything else that they've done. Um, yes. This was a perfect album to kind of like expand my metal palette on a little bit. Um, I love the storytelling. Um, I think that's where it shines. I'm a, I'm a fan of the guitar, obviously, but you know, uh, his falsetto, it's not always for me. Right. <laughs> it's no. like with The Witch with Johnny, it's not always for everybody. No, but, it's not. It's um, definitely a, a acquired taste. Well, the storytelling that. is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, as you're telling about the story, I'm like, Fuck, I would watch this movie. Yeah. Like, why don't they make a movie out of this? Everyone says, like, Hollywood's run out of ideas. Like, that sounds, like, fucking amazing. I won't, I wrote it down. The second time I listened to this album, I wrote down, I wish that they would resurrect Shirley Jackson from the dead so she can put this into novel format. Yeah. Um, That's it's wild. It's awesome. Just, I printed out, you know, the lyrics from Mansion in the Darkness. Um, I'll just, you know... Uh, everything inside was left untouched except for what the rats had got and the dust of time that showed its mark. Armed with candlelight and open eyes, through the dark they fought their way till every room was lit again, again, and the house began to breathe. It seemed to be alive. Yeah, the house mm -hmm. began to breathe alive. Um, it's, it pays like, in my opinion, you know, homages to Dracula with in the arrival of the yeah, carriage totally. you know, going up to a house on a hill and this he's being warned not to go. And I mean, these lyrics aren't just telling a story. They're giving the whole song life and then you've got the music behind it. Like, oh, yeah. It's it's great horror. It's on my Halloween playlist. Uh, I really enjoyed this, Johnny. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a great record. <laughs> and there actually is an Abigail, too, as well. Really? Yeah. Has yeah. anybody seen Clerks 2? 
Yes. So the scene with Jay and Silent Bob, they're away, they're at the drive-through and they start screaming the satanic song. Was it was that King Diamond? I'd have to go back and watch it again. All right, I have to look into it. I'm that, not sure. When I first heard them, that's the first fucking scene that I, I went to was when they were um they were just and they were reciting some song like over the drive through thing and it just I don't know I, my brain immediately went to this so awesome yes well, we are going to take a little bit of yeah a break. let the solo play out I will and let he fucking the rock fade out so uh, enjoy this for a second we'll be right back. Ooh. Police came across another grisly murder scene last Ooh, night. Wait, I want to hear that. The walls covered in satanic symbols. Another gruesome ritualistic murder claimed the lives of six people last night following a heavy metal concert that local religious groups were protesting. <laughs> this is supposed to scare other people, not us. So you ready for Soldiers of Satan? All right, let's go. <laughs> Cheers. To a night that we're going to remember for years to come. Here, here. Here, here. Oh, here, here. Here, yes. here. Here, And it's time for movie review number two on the AV carts. Yes. Cool. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This movie is called We Summon the Darkness. Have you ever summoned the darkness, Johnny? I have not, but after watching this, I might want to. Veronica? I did once and I failed. You do have those two V's yeah. for W. I've been found out. I keep forgetting I've been That's found right. out. Been found out. Damn it. Al, have you ever summoned the darkness? You should meet some of my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> That's why they're exes. So we are going to dive into this rather interesting flick that we stumbled upon on Netflix. Made, made in 2020. Um, and you're hearing the rest of the trailer just play behind us. It's full of a lot of blood. Yep. A lot of noise. A lot of Satan. A little bit of Johnny Knoxville. A little bit. Just a little bit of Johnny Knoxville. No spoilers. Spoilers. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to try not to spoil it and see what happens. I don't know. I think we're probably going to spoil this movie. I'm just going to put it out there. No promises, but this we're going to spoil it. So if it's you want, hard not to. I'll try to keep it a little bit. You know. If you want to see this movie. Vague. If you want to see mysterious. it, if you like what we're talking about, is on Netflix, as is The Witch. Go watch it. This one's a quick, easy watch. It's not, there's not much to digest with this one, I wouldn't say. No, this is a lot of fun. So this movie is set in 1988 in Indiana. I was six years old. Alexis Butler and her two friends, Val and Bev, are driving to a heavy metal show when out of nowhere... A fucking milkshake flies out of the sky <laughs> and hits their van and the windshield. They pull over. What the fuck? We get to know these girls a little bit. It turns out they're going to see a band. Sons of Satan. Sons of Satan. Sinners of Satan or Sons of Satan or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, they're, gonna, they're on their way to go see this fucking satanic rock show. 
when they pull into the parking lot, they see these three, well, they don't see the boys. They see the fucking van. Who threw the milkshake at them. Yeah. And they're like, yo, WTF. One of the girls pulls out some firecrackers out of her bag of tricks, lights that shit and throws it in the open window of the van, which in turn makes the boys scatter out of the van like cockroaches and out they come for the uh, introduction scene. It just so happened to be three of them and three girls. What happened next? Not chaos uh, immediately afterward, um, but, you know, they uh, kind of engage each other a little bit. They become friends. It's actually, you know, a very – and they uh, – you guys can comment on this more than I can, but they have a lot of what I'm interpreting as 80s banter. I was not born in this decade, so they have a lot of band discussion. Yes, they have yes, a they lot do. of like culture discussion that, you know, I've only heard about in passing. Yeah, even in the 90s, it was still band discussion. That was bands for like one of the first yep. bands and movies were the Icebreakers. They're actually talking about Injustice for All in that movie too. Yep. Can you Same guys speak to the accuracy of like the 80s uh, conversations going on <laughs> in I this mean, film? I mean, my only references to that would be television and film because I was only six. So I, I didn't really have a, a point, of, point of reference in regards to that. But I know as far as the weirdness, the... You know, the sidebars with the groups. Mm -hmm. the, let me check with my friends. Right. And I don't want to go. Well, and then, you know, the two out of the three or someone convincing the other to come. I mean, and well, that just might just be human nature. I, I definitely got that vibe uh, right off the bat, too. Like, you know, it wasn't even just in their, their dress. But you start to pick up on the little details with the automobiles right. and yeah, like the, um, the gas station pumps and everything when they're at that one uh convenience store and whatnot but because that was a question you know after watching this film which i went into completely blind by the way i didn't see any trailer oh, i knew it I. was like satan mm -hmm. was a subject and that's all i knew uh so i went in this completely blind and after i came out one of my questions for you guys was how 80s accurate do you think this movie is because at the beginning i was really surprised by the acting i was like all right this might be a joke movie this may not but the acting's pretty good you know it's not just your typical trope of of three girls that are you know i i liked them um i like the boys he thought they were sexy sexy <laughs> when the boys you know crawl out of the van and they start you know becoming friends i i thought everybody was a pretty likable character and then it takes a twist yeah they're sitting around a fire and um there's some you know drugging of, of beverages going on never and it have takes I a ever. crazy crazy yeah. Twist. It all starts with that line. Never have I ever drugged someone's drink. Black and Funeral then... is Black Funeral is uh featured in that movie. That's a by the album or I'm sorry, that's by the band Merciful Fate. Oh yeah. And that's a band. That's King Diamond's band. I was just gonna say I was just reading about Merciful Fate and uh and King Diamond. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it was I think Merciful Fate, just to kind of go back to them real quick, if you played a song on Guitar Hero and it was a song by Merciful Fate and Guitar Hero, you unlocked Diamond as a playable character mm -hmm. in Guitar Hero. Yeah, that's crazy how you know, it all kind of comes comes around. Now, speaking of coming around, let's put this into context. 1988. What have you been talking about the last two episodes? Satanic. Yes. Beautiful unison um, announcement there. But it's the truth. It's 1988 where we're in the middle of the satanic panic. I mean, 1988, that was McMartin. Yeah. The McMartin trial was live and happening at this point. Uh, the year the Rivera documentary came out. Yep. Mm -hmm. Fuck you, Geraldo. I don't know you said you're sorry, but I don't care. Um, you stole two and a half hours of my life and fucked with the entire country. 
But he apologized. Yeah. Uh, so in the beginning of this movie, they're in a van and they're listening to the radio and uh, this uh, news story of, you know, a rash of satanic murders across the country is, you know, happening. And one of the girls promptly turns it off because she doesn't want to hear it. And uh, this comes, you know, j- just the entire first half of the movie, this is mentioned over and over again. It's like the biggest news story in the country at that yep. point. They talk about it with the boys. And and then they end up around a fire pit. <laughs> now, before the fire pit, now, I know we're going to end up getting to spoilers, but from a whodunit standpoint, I didn't know what to think. They kept oh, it in the dark. They did. With the book that was found in the van that one of the guys was like, oh, let's hide this. Oh, you didn't see that. And then, you know, the girls were questionable, too. And then there was wondering if it was true, like... You know, I just want to get laid intent as far as going out after the show or all right, who's going to fucking hack who to pieces. It, was, mm-hmm. it right. was still up in the air for mm-hmm. me at that point. Or there are going to be more characters that come into the picture. Yes. It, it really kind of left it up in the air for you. I'm not really sure, but did the did the one pack of friends say that they were going back to a party after the concert? I think they suggested going to a bar. Was it a bar? Yeah, I think they said, let's go to a bar. And then one of the girls said, there's no fucking bars around here, just 7-Elevens and Dairy Queens. And they and ended up like at that. a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They end up at a house. Right. Okay. Yeah, because I remember them pulling into the house, and one of the first things one of the boys said is, "Who? The, what the fuck do her parents do? Yeah, my God, look at this wild-ass estate. Well, we'll learn that. Yeah, we do. They get to this little party, and like we said, things get a, get a little out of hand. We find uh, the three women to have drugged the drinks, and one by one, these boys drop. These devilish fucking smiles start immersing on, well, at least two out of the three faces. Mm-hmm. I think one was still freaking out because the other yeah. one had a switchblade. But nonetheless, now they're all passed out. Cut to the next scene. They're tied the fuck up. Satanic ritual style. <laughs> in another room. Yep, and the room is covered with satanic imagery. Yes. Uh, and candles. And there was a Church of Satan uh, pentagram flag that yep. was on in there, too. Uh, yep. And I was looking around trying to, you know, see if anything was out of whack from a timeline perspective. But they had a goat skull. They had all types of just like you know, red paint and blood, 666. I mean... The typical uh, satanic imagery. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, it literally. Candles everywhere. Candles everywhere. So they wake these boys up and. Um, Go on an Ayn Rand tangent. Uh, for those of you who don't <laughs> yes. know who Ayn Rand is, uh, she's a uh, philo- uh, philosopher. And uh, she writes these books that, you know, I think are pretty good from a story standpoint, too. But there's just everybody spells everything out in these books. You know, it's it's just basically like a philosophy pitch. So from. That point on, uh, they they spend a lot of time in this ritual room, you know, and and, and you know instead of murdering people, it's just explaining our motives, and yeah. they're going to argue their motives, and it's it's interesting though. I I enjoyed it. I was kind of laughing at the beginning of this conversation, going, "Oh my god!" It just went into some Randian discussion between the murderers and the murderees. Now, I have to say that goes into that just screams poor writing overall, just from a storytelling standpoint, because to have to do that. There's so many other ways they could have layered all of I that agree. information. I agree. I agree completely. And that scene was rough just simply because, and then when you really thought something was going to happen, the one girl was like, I had to talk to you in the bathroom. You know, that was after, you know, one of them was dispelled. Right. But, <laughs> and then, then there's the whole pantry closet scene. And, but then, you know, she, that one, one is torn between, oh, what am I doing this? Should I be here? And. But it was, <laughs> it was definitely fucking. And then, I mean. And of course the cops show up. 
The, oh, the cops the show cop. up. Yeah, the cop. The cop, I'm the, sorry. The one soul, After the stepmom. Your typical 80s state trooper who shows up alone, stepmom. probably at the end of his shift, not giving a fuck. Yeah, right. Aloof to everything He gave a him. little bit of a fuck at the beginning. A little. He wasn't taking her shit. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't taking her shit. That's true. He gets his way into the house, even, you know, despite her best attempts to ward him off. Yeah, um, if we haven't mentioned it already, Johnny Knoxville makes an appearance. And he's the uh, the Joel Osteen of this movie, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> he really needs to stick to you know dodging bulls on on seesaw. That was also a really weird twist on Joel Epstein. I don't think I've seen that before. The way that movie, you know, the way the plot of that movie yeah. transpired. I was thrown for a loop at the end. I didn't expect the end to go down the way it did. Mm-hmm. I mean, do we say the end? No, yeah, it's just for anybody that you know sees it. It's violent. You know, gory, uh, you know, like f- some really funny lines. I-, I laughed a lot. I don't usually enjoy kind of like bullshit joke movies, but there's aspects of this that isn't all, you know, a bullshit joke. Yeah, we'll, we'll go back to the story. This, okay. the, that long, <laughs> elaborate speech that they gave the boys when they first woke up and realized they were tied up. So it basically the whole premise was they wanted to make it look like it was a satanic cult killing. But after these boys wake up, we learn that. They're not fucking Satanists. They can give two shits about satanic cults. They are devout members of a church that's called, they're called themselves the Daughters of the Dawn. This church and various people within this church have murdered 18 other people across the country or their area in only effort to create fear and send more people to their religion. religion. Mm -hmm. You know, she gave these boys an opportunity to what repent Repent, and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, they pretty much told her to fuck off. And well, the big guy did. (laughs) The big guy did. You know, props to him. (laughs) You know, props to him. He was the first one to be like, all right, fuck y'all. I'm out. The minute he heard about the drink, you know, the drinks being drugged. And he was also the biggest man. He fell hard. Boom. There's this big back and forth. Um, there's the battle with one of the women that, or one of the girls that, you know, not sure if she's in there. She wants to do it. She does want to do it. A Stratnikov Institute that she does. But she also has this weird dynamic happening with one of the boys. Like, they're like flirting with each other. Yeah, but they're both trying to kill each other. Kind yeah. of like forced romance a little bit. But, um, I mean, I think it worked out. It becomes this one huge chase scene. Um, one that's really entertaining to watch. One that gets really convoluted. Um, more characters get thrown in, like, you know, stepmom, cop. Yep, the cop and the stepmom, they both try to come in and ruin the party, and they have their own um, storyline there and whatnot. But um, we will, you know, at the end of the day, Johnny Knoxville is involved in the ending, (laughs) and more people die. But I I really don't think there's any real message that was being sent with this outside of reinforcing just how fucked up the 1980s were when it came to the satanic panic and how far people were willing to go. That is a a really big thing I liked about the movie. Like the ends justify the means type of deal, but how extreme that can get from a religious standpoint throughout history. I mean, you're allowed to do whatever you feel you need to do because you have the moral justification to do it. To the point where, you know, you're posing as what you see as, you know, the opposite side 
just to lure more people toward your cause. Um, yeah, it's playing the victim. It's mm -hmm. playing the victim and claiming that your adversary was led astray and joined the bad team. And that's it. And that's how religion works. It's fucking stupid. And that ending is really fucked up. Too. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. Um, we talked about ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. This film had an approval rating of 69%. Only 64 <laughs> 69%. people. 69%. Belial <laughs> <laughs> oh. knew it. He was right on point. He's being fresh. He was. Based on 64 reviews. <laughs> so <laughs> there weren't many people. And it's still 2020. The movie was just released. Uh, I only found it because I search Satan on Netflix every now and then and you see what's in, you know, descriptions and certain things pop up. I watched it because I was told to watch it by you. <laughs> watch it now. <laughs> Pretty much. Reports yeah. next week. Asshole. <laughs> that's exactly what happened, Johnny. That's right. You gotta do what you gotta do to, to keep the content of flowing here that's in true. Satanic Study Hall. We don't want it to get boring. No, we don't. And it probably will eventually, though. We, it will. You're not like, There's a spoiler like, for yeah, you. And our, page, our Patreon will slow there and be like, I cannot listen to these people anymore. <laughs> How many times can they talk yeah, about this shit? When's the next group of Satanists going to come out with a new and fresh <laughs> podcast? That's life. That's how it works. It's a big circle. So to end our little spiel here on We Summon the Darkness, we will refer to a quote from Variety Magazine by an Owen Gleiberman. We Summon the Darkness is a psycho thriller that pulls the bloody rug from under you and does it in a shivery, sly way. Somebody got their money's worth with their thesaurus there. Yes. You think he was Grammarly? <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to try that just to Sh see if it... Shivery, sly way. Like, who talks like that? Shivery. Just a fan of alliteration. No, he did say bloody rug. Now, is that little bloody, or is he like, you know, like British or something? No, the, it, bloody right. the, the bloody rug. The bloody rug, or is rug? it the actual bloody rug? Because there was a shit ton of blood yeah, spilled in this movie. So I think I'll. Oh, uh, well, I, I think I'll we'll wait. This. Attention, staff, and students. This is your principal with your daily update. The Satanic Study Hall podcast is not affiliated with any other podcast or organization. None. Zero. The views and opinions expressed on the podcast are hours and hours alone. For lunch today, we travel to Asia. White rice with white rice and white rice. Soy sauce available at an additional charge while supplies last. Manaz the right or left, I think, whatever. Manaz the whatever has led our school choir to the national championships. This year, we are changing the dress code for Halloween costumes to specifically ban exposed nipples. We can thank Bill's costume from last year for this change. If you want to fuck with him right now, he's in study hall. And that's all for today's announcements. Hail Satan. Yeah, man. Principal Pan does not fuck around. It doesn't sound like he does. I don't want to meet him. He's making an example out of Mr. Dennis, too. Yes, he is. Mm. And thank you for hanging out with us, y'all, while we did the movie reviews. That was fun. Yes, we definitely, I think, uh, after getting to this point, I'm convinced that we should do an AV cart, too. Sure. I agree. Real Movies quick, are fun. Movies are fun. It sets the tone for Halloween. Yep, yeah, he agrees sure with me. Mm -hmm. Oh, Halloween. We're going to do, we got to do a little pop-up episode on Halloween. We're going to do something special for that. We're going to fly through social media because it's getting late in study hall and we all have extra homework to do. Real quick, Facebook. You find us on Facebook simply by searching Satanic Study Hall. We also have a special interactive zone for our listeners where they can interact with each other and all of your favorite satanic study hall degenerates 
Go on Facebook and search Satanic Study Hall presents The Goat Farm. Yes, I said it. The Goat Farm. <laughs> I was like, why the fuck did you call it The Goat Farm? It works. All right? I don't know what the fuck to tell you. We are The Goat Farm, and it is amazing. The Goat Farm runs itself. We have a community that's well over 100 people now of the majority of them interact on a regular basis and post and the content and the ideas and the stuff that's shared and the networking that's happening is phenomenal. So please, um, please come say hi, Uh, join the community. Uh, Me, Johnny, Dennis, Al, Veronica, we're all a part of it. And we all try to, you know, we're all pretty engaged and interactive with everybody that comes on there. And if you have any questions, it's a good way to just kind of get to know us a little better. Instagram is the same way. We are at satanic study hall. We try to give each variation of social media its own flavor. It's been getting a little stale lately, but we promise we'll spice it up. Twitter, we are at Satanic SH. Now that's at capital S, A T A N I C, capital S, capital H. It does make a difference. Uh, definitely follow us on Twitter. We try to um, we try to pay attention a little bit more to Twitter than others, simply because that's where we get a lot of our Satanic news in regards to the people that we follow. So um, please join us on there. And last but not least, we have Patreon, 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 Patreon. The most humbling part of being involved with Satanic Study Hall. As it grows, as I get to know our patrons more and more, just watching, you know, the support grow. It's unreal. So it's all of our patrons who are currently contributing. Thank you to anybody that's considered contributing to the cast. Thank you. Uh, It's just it's been an awesome journey so far. If you want to find us on Patreon, we are at Satanic Study Hall, uh, patreon.com slash Satanic Study Hall. And we have three different levels. We have a 333 tier, a 666 tier, and a $20 VIP tier that earns you some pretty cool perks. So check us out on there. Another patron exclusive episode will be coming out in the next seven days. So keep your ears for that as well. Any last words, my friends? Hail Magic Johnson. Hail Magic Johnson. Until the end of time. That is more, more, more um, motivation for you to join Patreon because that, <laughs> that story is told in, in, in great detail. Uh, I do want to say thank you to Al for joining us. Yes, definitely. Thank you, Al. Um, thank you for having me. You, we love you, Al. You will, we do love you, Al. And you will be hearing more of Al's voice in the very near future in Satanic Study Hall. I'm so sorry for all of you. <laughs> we've, uh, we've got some stories to tell, and I'm really excited about that. Um, Al's got a great head in his shoulders and some really good stories to tell, and he gives a, a new, fresh perspective to, to stuff. I know he's leveled my head out on a few separate occasions so far in the short time that I've known him. And I'm very thankful to, uh, to call Al my friend. So once again, thank you for being here. Al. It was awesome. I'm never eating hot wings with you again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'm ever eating hot wings again. I'll definitely call you my friend though. And our, does Donald have anything to say? Donald? Well, I think he can wrap it up just by saying things happen in Philadelphia, bad things. And they do. Yes, they do. They fucking do. Veronica. Veronica. Oh, nothing. Thanks for nothing. having me on. Thanks uh, for letting me thank nerd you for ramble being about here. the witch. Oh my God, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Veronica is our valedictorian, and we love that. We yes. want to thank Love that City Satanists. <laughs> Johnny's just looking for any excuse just to kind of slide to the back of class <laughs> and take a nap. Uh, our friends over at Love City Satanists, uh, good news coming from that group and everybody associated with it in the near future. We can't wait to hear it. Uh, Satanic Temple, New York City. 
I don't even click post on social media and wait five or 10 seconds before I'm getting a like, a share, a retweet. Awesome. Thank you so much for your support. Definitely. Once this COVID bullshit is over, I cannot wait to meet a lot of you. Uh, we do want to say hello to Richie at Rock and Roll Knife Fight. Definitely. Definitely. If you haven't checked his stuff out, we highly encourage you to do so. He can be found at at RR Knife Fight on most social media. And I believe it's rockandrollknifefight.com if you want to check out his product line and what he's got to offer. What's up, Richie? Hail Satan. We miss you, buddy. Hope yes. to see you soon. And our listeners, thank you as always. We would not be here without you. Next time on Satanic Study Hall, you can count on us talking about something. It might be Satanic Panic Part 3, Grave Action. Yep. It might be something else. Um, we're kind of going with the flow, and uh, we're filling in the blanks as we go. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ava Satanis to everybody who's joined us in class this week, and Ava Satanis to all these beautiful people sitting in the room with me. Ava Satanis. Ava Satanis. Ava Satanis.